0: Okay, we're live, episode 81 of Coffee with Craner, and today I'm joined by Dan Crosby. He's a very well-known, successful entrepreneur in the Windsor region. Uh, he's founded multiple businesses, including Canadian Protein, Coachwood Capital, Synergy Private Label, Pure Fusion Canvas, uh, Luxus VIP uh, Rentals, and uh, most recently, Coachwood Golf and Country Club which was also uh, the former Fox Glen golf course in Amherstburg and, and being a, a proud Amherstburg resident. This is a, a cool topic to talk about. And awesome. Dan, thanks for making the time tonight.
1: I yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate you having me.
0: So where are in Windsor and I know you're in Chicago, I believe, uh, doing some work yeah. on your, uh, on your Lambo. Um, mm-hmm. But where in Windsor is your favorite place to get coffee.
1: Um, so I'm not like a big, I'm actually not like a big coffee guy. Um. I'm more like a pre-workout kind of guy, but, um, uh, if I would have to pick, I'd have to say like my kitchen. We got, I got (laughs) a little, I got a nice little espresso machine. Um, or, or honestly, uh, one, one day I was in the golf course and somebody was like, Hey, you want a coffee or whatever? Uh, we just had this new guy come in, you know, bring, uh, bring his new order of coffee. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll have a coffee. And I I tried it black and man, it was, it was so good. It was the best, it was the best coffee outside of like, say the custom kind of blend that I use at home. I have to, I got to be biased and say my golf course.
0: (laughs) There you go. Um, Now, uh, because you you mentioned uh, pre-workout and stuff like that, uh, I want to get on the topic of, of Canadian protein, which um, many, many people who work out know about, in 2011, mm-hmm. you started the company. How did this? How did this all happen?
1: <clears throat> yeah, so uh, officially Canadian Protein started in 2011, but I started the supplement stuff back in like 20, or two 2007 2008. Um, the way that it started was uh, essentially from, um, I guess, like personal necessity. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I started by uh, you know, I started working out late high school and, uh, you know, early twenties and I started getting a little more serious into it a little bit, uh, you know, maybe, you know, 21, 22. And I started, uh, I would always order from the U.S. i S I'd order, always order product and I didn't want really like the, the flash and bang type of, of products that, you know, people were typically getting like the muscle tech and stuff like that. It was all kind of like a bunch of hype and not really, know the basics i wanted the basics and you couldn't really find like the basics around in even canada there was a couple little little guys around in canada but i was like you know what um i can't find what i want Um, i'm gonna go ahead and and start my own thing and i'm probably not going to be the only one that wants this type of uh this type of product and this type of uh you know business model and you know lo and behold that's how that's how the whole kind of canadian protein started It, it, it it was it was originally called true supplements and uh, so it just ended up kind of, uh, you know, o- over the the next couple of years, I ended up, uh, you know, changing it over um, to Canadian protein.
0: Now, was uh, True Supplements and, and Canadian protein really like the, the catalyst for your entrepreneur, you know, career, or was there yeah. something else earlier on that that <laughs> kickstarted it?
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I ended up getting into uh, real estate and supplements right around the same time. But what I ended up doing. Um, really early on was um, I ended up buying a package of 15 condos in the Lagoyle building on Riverside Drive. And um, I ended up, uh, you know, I I dropped out of school. I didn't know what else to do. I just saw, you know, you know, I, I was always interested in real estate. I would actually like you know, walk at the river or park at the river or whatever, and like look across at Detroit and like see all these buildings. And I'm, and I was always thinking, like, man, one day I'm going to own something like that or, you know, own a portfolio with big buildings like that. And uh, um, so then I ended up buying a package of condos in the Goyle building. And what ended up happening was um, this was like, now, now, this is when Windsor was like, you know you you might you're probably too young to remember but uh back in 20 you know 2007 2008 2009 that's when like the financial crisis happened and what ended up happening uh was even though even though the banking system in Canada was was stronger than the U.S. and more I guess stringent uh the automotive sector took a real hit in Windsor and you know probably among other things but predominantly probably the automotive uh market and um windsor just it was like a ghost town everybody was leaving so so it was a really tough it was a really tough point in windsor for uh, especially even real estate so that's when i actually got into the real estate market and in the supplement market so i started my two main things like in the worst possible economic times that our city and really you know in in the in the uh i guess late history, you know, historical, uh, I guess crisis that's have taken place like in our time, in our, in our lifetime, uh, in 2008. And, uh, um, so I ended up starting that I, I bought the 15 condos. Um, I rehabbed them all, the majority of them myself, the ones I needed, uh, rehabbing you, you couldn't like right now in the real estate market, it's pretty easy to be successful. Um, so there was no appreciation in Windsor for years and the only way to get appreciation and even a little bit or increase value was to you know essentially you know put some sweat equity in and 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 do some sort of rehab and that's what i did so i ended up uh rehabbing a few units i ended up pulling the equity out and i had already started the supplement company but i needed machinery so i used the equity that i pulled from the 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 units that i ended up doing like a light rehab on, I ended up pulling the equity out of that and bought some machinery for the supplement company. And then I got a unit to, to make the stuff in and, and that's how it all started. So I bought a blender. I think the first piece of equipment that I bought was like a, like a 25 cubic foot blender, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So mix all the protein. Yeah.
0: has the, uh, the progress been with, with Canadian protein since like, obviously you're not just running on the, on the, on the one blender.
1: No, we've got, uh, we've got three. So we've got a pretty big blender that, you know, fit like a pretty, you know, maybe like a, an eco type of car in it. And um, we've got a, a, a medium sized blender and we still have that. I still have that same blender that I bought back then.
0: And your, yeah. I believe your, your distribution center, or your processing facility is, is still in, in Windsor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We started in Windsor and uh, you know, it's right off Lozon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Now, yeah. uh, you know, going into in real estate <coughs> investing, uh, and and we talked about uh, the recession two thousand eight, and yeah. then uh, now the market's so hot. Do you you think it's possible for let's say you know someone young like me, or you know, you know, going into their thirties or forties, uh, to really get into this market in real estate investing? Is it still possible? Do you believe? Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think that there's no wrong time to get into real estate investing. To be honest with you. Um, I, I I think what a lot of people don't do is, um, I don't think that they invest for what's happening now. Um, I think a lot of people invest based off of poor information that they hear, uh, based off of like projections and, I think that's a very poor choice. And the reason why I think that's a very poor choice is because nobody actually has a crystal ball and nobody can actually, if you, if you go and look at like the leads, lead economists in the industry, they, they've been wrong so many, they, they've been wrong more times than right. And the only ones that really actually even get it right, they might just even get it right just for just by an accident. So I actually don't, I, I don't do my investing based off of what I think might happen in the future. Cause I don't know. If I would have if I would have done had my best guess, I would have thought the the housing market would have tanked in the first part of COVID. But it didn't. It increased like dramatically. That's actually when I bought the most amount of real estate in a chunk of time that I ever did in my life, was like for the first six months of COVID popping off. So um I I buy for now. I buy if it's a good deal now and it works. I what I do what I do in order to mitigate risk is I build in a little bit of. Uh, you know, I pad, I pad things. So if, if I, for example, go back in history and I say, okay, well uh, say, for example, in 2008, when the, when the real estate market crashed in the U S what was the average overall national crash that happened? The overall, the overall natural, national national uh, reduction in value of, of real estate values in 2008, when that whole financial crisis happened or the mortgage crisis was only 8% across the entire country. That's not a lot. So, the reason why certain places got hit more than others was a lot of like vacation areas like, uh, you know, Florida or like in, in you know, Key West, stuff like that, right. Where mm. people weren't buying vacations homes anymore. People weren't, uh, vacationing anymore. Even they didn't, didn't have the same amount of disposable income. They weren't buying their second home. So, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, buying based off of, uh, you know, future predictions. I, I never do that. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future, so I, I don't do that. And and to be honest with you, I'm happy I never have done that because in the end, uh, you know, historically speaking and and, and uh, statistically speaking, people lose more money not pulling the trigger than pulling the trigger.
0: Yeah. From sheer definitely.
1: opportunity cost. So, you know, in the end, even if you buy even if you if you buy right now and say for example the market starts to slow or whatever there's a little bit of a decline the trajectory for real estate is always on an increase so i'm not really worried about it to be honest with you and and then honestly like if there's a downturn in the market good i hope everybody gets scared because i'm gonna just buy more stuff (laughs) like that's how like i so i i think that people have a, a a a really jaded mentality when it comes to like the real estate market it's really weird man like because a lot of people are like waiting for this crash to happen right now in this whole crisis, but they, they'll be too scared to to buy anything when it actually does happen, mm-hmm. which I don't mm-hmm. actually think it will, to be quite honest, but you know, in yeah. the event it does um, you know, the event that they're waiting for, they're going to be too scared to to do it. Uh, you know, if that even happens, so there's stu- they're, they're, they're too scared. Now, people are scared at this point, people don't want to do anything right now and the markets only moved a little bit, you know, the, the rates have only shifted like, you know a half a point like it's 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 ridiculous
0: yeah and 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 for somebody like me you know going through through uh post secondary education purchasing an income property was something that i was interested you know and i'm still interested in doing uh, what mm-hmm. would you what would be your advice to you know people like me fresh out of university or or in university how do we work towards that goal of being able to buy into real estate
1: um i, I guess it depends on what you have um what you have available to you. I mean, um, I always advise people to work as much as you can, uh, so you can raise as much capital as you can. I just made a video on this actually on my, my channel, not too long ago, but, um, I always advise people to, to, to work as much as you can so you can raise as much capital as you can so that when an opportunity presents itself, you can capitalize on that opportunity. Um, that's the, that's the first step. And then if you don't have enough capital and you still want to get into you know, home ownership or, you know, uh semi
0: oh you cut out you cut out a bit Dan. I don't know if you can still hear me so I can hear you that... now that's yeah, okay
1: oh, we got you uh... on uh yeah give me a sec here give me off that just tip. turn off your uh disconnected from your truck Sorry, buddy. One sec. No worries.
0: Life of an entrepreneur on the road. All right, there we go. There Is we that go. Better. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I... sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. So you you were saying?
1: Yeah. So I, I would I would if you don't have enough capital or you haven't been able to raise uh, enough capital yourself, I would um, I would take advantage of that uh, that first time home buyer. Uh, reduction in um, the amount of down payment that you have to put down. I think it's like, what, 5%, something like that. Um, I would take advantage of that. And then I would uh, I would buy something that required a light rehab. And then, you know, after a year or two living in it, it pop back on the market and then move on and do the exact same thing, like rinse and repeat. That's what I would do. If I had to do it all over again. Yeah. If I had to do it all over again, I didn't do that when I was coming up. I, I, I went right to rentals. But if I was in a scenario where I didn't have the, um, the capital to invest Are right off the bat. Uh, what I would do is uh, I, I would do that. I, I think you guys call it house hacking. I believe all you youngsters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I've uh, I haven't heard of the house hacking thing, but I imagine it. Okay. Uh, it is a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah now, that's what I would do. Now going into a, another interesting real estate venture was uh, you purchasing Fox Glen Golf Club and turning it yeah. into a Coachwood Golf and Country Club. What? Why? I guess what made you really to decide to to purchase, you know, a golf course, and what plans do you have in store for this facility? Yeah. So,
1: so what I'm, I, I'm again, I, obviously, I'm in real estate, right? So at the end of the day, um, it's 130 acres. I mean, I, I'll give an example of why why I like that deal. I ended up selling farmland that I owned for the same acreage price or value as what I pretty much bought the golf course from or for, uh, which, is, you know, and it's a viable business, right? It's a viable business that can, you know, turn an income uh, for the time being, uh, you know, if in the event, uh, you know, down the road, it needs to pivot and I need to do something else, else with it or whatever. But, you know, that's not, that's not in the cards right now, but um, uh, there's just a lot of value there. Even the buildings alone were worth, you know, X amount of dollars. And, and I, I felt like I was getting, I felt like I was getting a discount. And, and um, it was also a scenario where it's a dying business. It's a legacy business. And I feel like um, I've gotten to the point where I feel I've done well in certain industries. And I feel like the golf industry if I could position it in a way and leverage what I've learned through e commerce, uh, through real estate, um, through technology and bring those things into a business that's typically run by, you know, older demographics that really don't understand, uh, technology all that well. Um, I found that really exciting and that's what we're really doing. So to make this a, a better business and a more successful business and even run better, mm-hmm. um, we're introducing all kinds of technology. I'm leveraging the team that I have in place to run, you know, e-commerce, to run, uh, you know, the real estate company we're, you know, I've got a, a, a media division uh, that we're going to be leveraging. So I have a lot of tools in my toolbox to be able to make the golf industry or at least this course kind of like exciting again, you know, we're introducing Mm. certain things on the course. Um, It's, it's just, it's something that I felt was like almost like a dying business in a, in a business that was just not run very well. Typically, you know, a lot of golf courses typically don't really make any money. Mm. Um, So to, I, I, I took this on almost kind of like a challenge to see like, okay, well, I've done well in certain other businesses and other industries. I, I, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can, you know, um, position this in such a way that I can turn this business around, which is like a very hard business. It, it, golf, a, running a golf course is a very tough business. You know, you have hospitality, you have, you know, grass alone is difficult in this area. Like, so, so um, when you, and, and then you also have, uh, you know, you also have a, a really, a really, um, I guess demanding demographic to deal with golfers are demanding. And <laughs> I feel like if we can conquer this world, I don't feel like there's a lot of other things that I can't do. So I took yeah. this as like a challenge. It was like a challenge for me.
0: And and at the end of the day, I guess, you know, real estate is appreciating in value. Yeah. You'll,
1: you'll yeah. make
0: your money back and then some, right. If you do yeah. decide to, uh, to sell.
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, like land is land, and it's not. Eventually, it's it's still on that trajectory, it's still on an upward trajectory. So yeah, you, you can't you can't lose.
0: No, it's 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 really cool. And what I found interesting is the uh, another business you have, Coachwood Capital. Um, mm-hmm. for, for those you know, listening, how does this how does this uh, this business work? I know you know a lot about it, but I'm interested in hearing yeah. you, you know your thoughts.
1: Yeah, so Coachwood Capital started from uh, again same thing as the supplement company started from it it was never actually supposed to be something where I could uh, take on investors. It was never supposed to be that Mm -hmm. Um, it ended up coming to fruition based off of my desire to own American property and also um, my desire to still uh, obtain the same type of returns as I was used to before this whole, Wild real estate market started popping off. So, yeah. um, Coachwood Capital allows I, I built out the logistics to allow Canadians to invest in uh, American large-scale residential real estate alongside mm-hmm. with me. So I'm an okay. investor on all of them as well. And um, yeah, so it, like I said, I, I built the I built the roads to allow uh, Canadians the the legal and accounting roads uh, to allow Canadians to invest, uh, in, uh, cash flowing, you know, high return, uh, properties in the U S.
0: So, you know, as, uh, as one of your investors, what kind of, you know, money do they put into, uh, to get on board with you in the property?
1: Yeah. So typically, uh, we require a minimum of 25,000, um, and, and uh, the $25,000 will get you, you know, typically we go in at a 75, 25 LTV. It might be a little bit lower sometimes. Maybe it'll, it'll float somewhere in between 65 and 75% uh, LTV. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, the investment is not uh, a, a, t- a typical cash investment. It's not, it's it's 25, 20, say, for example, if you're coming in at a, 25, a 75, 25 LTV, a twenty-five thousand dollar investment will get you one hundred thousand dollars worth of property. So, it's uh, so you're also leveraging your capital, which is great too. And there's no requirements. The requirements are either number one, I you know you're you're an accredited investor, or number two, uh, your friends, family, business associate, or I know you somehow. So, um, it allows people that wouldn't typically qualify for, uh, you know, being able to invest in you know even say an average Windsor windsor ontario property which is like probably got to be running at least half a million now um and you you might need a 100k down right Mm -hmm. where if you don't have that amount of capital you can invest alongside with me and coach with capital uh you know for something like twenty five thousand dollars and and uh you know lever up your capital and and get in on these awesome cash flowing properties and this is also something that i own i go in on all these properties myself as well so i have to be the largest uh investor on all these properties so it's not like I'm just kind of taking people's money and putting them
0: in these properties
1: and forgetting about it. I'm actually, I'm the largest, uh, you know, shareholder in all of these businesses and properties.
0: No, it's uh, it's cool. And I'm glad it allows, you know, people that are just starting out or have, you know, limited capital available to, to really Mm -hmm. transition into real estate, use this as a, an opportunity to get into the market and hopefully, you know, from your cash flows, they can purchase their own property down the road. Right. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um and now really to just package everything up all the businesses you've started. Um there's countless that I mentioned, Canadian Protein, Pure Fusion, uh, cannabis, Luxus VIP, like it goes on, the list goes on. yeah uh, what three pieces of advice would you be able to share with with some young entrepreneurs that you perhaps uh, you know, went through or or anything really?
1: Yeah, so like I said earlier, um I the number one thing is I would advise people to um work as much as you can. I, I think I think that that's kind of gotten a little bit lost. People want to fast track everything. People don't really want to work hard anymore. Um, I think working as hard as you can, as long as you can, and as much as you can to raise enough capital so that when an opportunity presents itself, uh, you can pull the trigger on that opportunity. Yeah, mm. I think that that's probably one of the most important things. And I think I think a lot of people, what they don't really realize either is a lot of people probably won't get, uh, you know, wealthy or rich or whatever off their job, but they do have the opportunity to get wealthy and rich off of the money that they earn from their job if mm-hmm. used the right way. So yeah. I think that that's something that I think a lot of people should uh, um, take into account. Um, g- give me one sec there. Can you hear
0: me okay? I can. I can. The screen's okay, black, wait.
1: but... Oh, the screen's black? Okay. Yeah. Give me one
0: sec. Sorry about that. Um Are you going through a tunnel or something in Chicago?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry about that, man. Give me uh just give me one sec here. Let me get through it. Yeah, sorry buddy.
0: Um I should have like music or something right. for these uh, there, we, there go. we go. Okay. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Okay.
1: Um second thing is is um again, work ethic. Um I I can't tell you enough how important it is to develop a strong work ethic. Uh, You know, when I was growing up, maybe not even me, but like, you know, I I remember my parents, not a lot of people had education and that was the, that was the, um, I guess, differentiating factor for a lot of people is, you know, a lot of people had the work ethic, but uh, not a lot of people had education. So anybody that had an an education kind of had like a one up on people. Well, now it's kind of flipped. Everybody and their mother has an education. And I think that the differentiating factor and, Uh, the variable these days is work ethic because a strong work ethic I have I I employ a lot of people that do not have educations, but they have strong work ethic and I will take that every day of the week over an education. Um, And then uh, uh, probably the third thing I would say is um, I would say, you know, talk less and listen more. Um, I've had a lot of scenarios where I've just let people talk even on subjects that I knew, you know, arguably more information on them. But what ended up happening was allowing people to talk freely. You might be able to pull some information from that person if you do that. What happens is a lot of times when you, when you converse with somebody and you come off as somebody that knows something about that particular topic or, or you act like you know something, that person will kind of stop talking. They'll kind of like put up this wall. So that they don't want to say anything that is maybe incorrect or, you know, presents an argument. Right. So they get a little bit kind of defensive and they'll shut up. They won't, they won't continue to talk. I think that's, that's, that's one of the worst things that you can do because you never know what you can learn from somebody by just shutting your mouth and listening to them, no matter who it is. It doesn't even matter if it's somebody in your industry, if it's an employee if it's a friend, a family member, it doesn't matter. So one of the things that I, I feel like I pride myself on is I take everybody's criticism. I take everybody's suggestions, opinions, all that stuff. Whether they're stupid or not, it doesn't really matter. I will listen to anybody because I never know when I can actually pull something from someone that's of value. And I also ask people their their opinions all the time. You know, um, I mean, Jesse right there can attest to that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, so, I mean, you know, I'm always asking people's opinions and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I always want, I always want, I always want to hear different, difference of opinions. I I want to hear somebody's perspective because one perspective is not what builds a business and builds a successful one. So, um, you you know, to some extent, you know, even, you know, even if you have a niche business, you know, one person's opinion and one person's perspective is not going to not, is not going to carry that niche business, you know, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna carry that, that business into success. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, you know, make that allow that business to thrive. So I think it's really important listening and and, uh, do less talking, which doesn't really seem like that happens that much these days either.
0: Yeah, no, that's a a really great point. I think it's, it's hard for individuals to uh, really take in feedback from others or or seek it themselves, right? Because they don't want to hear what's what's going wrong. They only want to hear what's going right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. a dangerous thing too, man. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, getting complacent and getting, uh, you know, being comfortable, being comfortable is probably one of the, I, I every single time I get comfortable in business, shit absolutely hits the fan with me. Yeah. So, so it, and it never fails. And, and the reason why is because I'm comfortable. I'm not being proactive, but I typically get reactive when I start getting comfortable. So I've made a promise to myself. I'm like, listen, I'm not, I'm never going to be comfortable again. Like I, I try to take myself. That's one of the things with the golf course too, right? That's a very uncomfortable business to be in. So it's, uh, you know, just, just get out of your comfort zone and be uh, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is key. Yeah. You know, being in, yeah. being in business for yourself, you're, you're never, you should never be comfortable. And it's, it's, it's fairly difficult to become comfortable, but you know, you do, you might get to the point where you, you might get complacent, which might breed a little bit of comfort, but, like I said, man, when, when, when things start to hit the fan, that's when, uh, that's when I've typically gotten comfortable. So never again.
0: Awesome. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to hear your perspective on this, especially being a very young entrepreneur, um, from the Windsor region built, you know, multiple successful companies. Um, it was, you know, and they're all different backgrounds, right? So I think it's, it's provided you with a, a wealth of knowledge in different areas yeah. and, and a lot of, yeah. uh, lessons in your, in your backpack. So, uh, Dan, I appreciate you you coming on, and I, I must say this is uh, this is my first interview that technically um, we're in, we're in Chicago together. So
1: yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, yeah. We're, Canada, our, we're on our yeah, we're, we're on our way back, but but uh, yeah, we're we're currently in Chicago. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thanks for making the time, you, Dan. I don't know
1: if you can see the car back there, but we got the car back there. I don't know if you can see it or not, but yeah,
0: <laughs> towing it back
1: right now. Well, awesome. I'm actually in Chicago too, looking at a couple properties too, so it was kind of two birds, one stone thing. There you go. Very cool.
0: I appreciate you making the time, Dan. Those watching, thanks for tuning in. And uh, if you want to watch the recap, go to coffeewithcraner.com and we'll see you very soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.